All right, so uh, off the top, on a serious note, I do want to uh, wish an RIP, a rest in peace and a rest in power to my sweet baby angel, Frida, who passed away this week. Uh, she was about 12 years old, and she is uh, kind of bow-leggedly walking across the Watch Rainbow Bridge as we speak. She was the Chop Shop unofficial mascot. Yeah, and if uh, listeners want to go back and listen to her debut on this show, uh, it was the Valentine's Day episode from a couple of years ago. Yeah, not last year, but the year before. And it was called Puppy Love. Slipper and I fell in love. All right, but this is not a Hallmark podcast. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 6 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs... Like us. ...decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... Dirty Traving, a.k.a. Almost Travis, a.k.a. American Travfiti, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Travdance. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first one? Uh, Dirty Traving. Oh, Dirty Dancing. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> um, and I will be your host. And I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, Music Production, <laughs> a.k.a. Amerishan Graffiti, <laughs> a.k.a. Dazed and Sean Fused. <laughs> We're also extremely excited to welcome back to the show Chop Shop regulator, Chelvit Goldmine, <laughs> a.k.a. Good Cellas, <laughs> a.k.a. High Fidelity. Okay. <laughs> Further description of the show, the tagline says, watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially, that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes classic films with iconic actors, and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. Stop the music. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. All right, that will bring us into our first segment, which is going to be movie news. And this is where throughout the week we try to pay attention to stories that relate to the world of cinema and remakes and just in general stories that we think our listeners might find interesting and entertaining, right? Yes. And unfortunately, not entertaining, uh, we have one, two, three, four R.I.P.'s. It's a terrible week. week. It was a rough one. Uh, so first, rest in peace and rest in power to Tommy Tiny Lister, a.k.a. Debo from Friday for the kids out there. Um, he passed away at what age? I can't. 50, 50 something. He was 50. not super old after showing COVID symptoms. According he to was, his manager. He was COVID, found yeah. dead in his home. So rest in peace and rest in power to him. Oh, I should say that I did get the chance to meet uh, Tiny Lister. Uh, So it was several years ago. I was working at a restaurant downtown that I won't say the name of. And somebody came in from the place next door and they're like, yo, yo, Debo's over there. Debo's over there. I literally uh, walked out of our restaurant and to the other restaurant. I had open tables. (laughs) <laughs> and went over there to try and meet him. And I ended up getting to meet him and getting a picture taken with him. And he gave me what he called a ghetto massage, which was basically, and you saw the picture, yeah. him putting me in a headlock. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was a that was an interesting moment. One of the few uh, up-close celebrity sightings I've had. All right, next, rest in peace and rest in power to Natalie Dessel-Reed. Uh, she was an actress from Medea and also BAPS, B-A-P-S. 
uh, died at the age of 53. Do you know what that stands for? I do not. I've seen this movie. Black American Princess Sisters. It's just princesses. Oh, I was so close. It's Halle Berry. Is it? Hallelujah. Yeah. All right. Um, next, Abby Dalton, the star of Hennessy and Falcon Crest, has died at 88 after a long illness. And also, David Lander, the actor who played Squiggy on Laverne and Shirley, has died at the age of 73 from complications due to multiple sclerosis. Uh, Rough week, but rest in peace, rest in power to all of them. The Tribeca Film Institute has closed. Um, I think that probably Robert De Niro is just getting too old and can't deal with it. <laughs> no, that is sad, though. And, and I, I think it's just another victim of this pandemic. Uh, report. Spider-Man 3 is delving into some charted territory. Yeah. It Spider-Verse. Seems, it seems, seems like they're getting very multiverse with the, <coughs> the next install, installment of the Thomas Holland Spider-Man series. Who are they adding? Uh, Garfield. Andrew Garfield as a second Peter Parker. And uh, Stone. Emma Stone, Stone. as... Uh, Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Okay. And then I read today that the guy who plays Daredevil in the Netflix series, Daredevil, okay. has signed on as well. Now, I thought... Maybe I didn't read it well enough, but I thought it was Kirsten Dunst they were bringing. Oh, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. Not Emma So Stone. she's a Mary Jane from a different series than Andrew Garfield was. Yeah. She, she was, was the Mary Jane in the Tobey Maguire. Right, right. And they're also bringing Alfred Molina back as Dr. Octopus. Octopus which I get him confused the... with Dr. Octagon, the rapper. <laughs> now all we need is James Franco. Which now, now it starts to make sense. Remember, we saw that... Uh, What's-his-face was going to reprise his role as Electro. Uh, oh, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. And we yes. were like, this is stupid. Why is he doing that? Yeah, okay. Now it starts to come into yep. focus. The web's kind of like connecting. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, next, the Happiest Seasons actress Aubrey Plaza thinks that COVID reached their set. Now, that's interesting because their movie filmed prior to the major outbreak of the pandemic but she apparently there was people who were symptomatic there on the set as well and in retrospect she thinks it was already there uh i'll also talk about her during uh 2020 movie marathon today next black widow is not expected to get streaming release the same day as theaters this is uh disney plus not not anteing up to hbo max yeah so I think they they'll probably they will probably regret that in terms of their bottom line. We shall see. Maybe they're maybe they're hoping that everything will just be all cleaned up and <laughs> with a nice bow on it by then. Uh, Directors Guild criticizes Warner Brothers over the HBO Max deal. Thoughts? Uh, you know this is a a time where cinema is in flux, mm-hmm. and these guys are trying to run a business. And adapt or go extinct. Yeah, I, I'm sorry that your artistic vision is not going to be released mm-hmm. in the on the silver screen in the way that you thought it was. Well, but... I mean, there's a there's a generational difference that I think that the previous generation of filmmakers have a real hard on for the actual physical cinema itself. And I agree, there's nothing yeah. better than going to see a film on a big screen with a proper sound system. Mm-hmm. However, these are weird times, and these movies need to get released, otherwise. They're going to dry up and blow away. Yes. I propose this. 
VR theaters. So you're at home, you've got your <laughs> Oculus Rift on, and you're sitting in a movie theater, and ahead of you, a certain distance, is the screen. And when you move your head, it moves. And you can see other people next to you. you and... Yeah, but they're not real. They're avatars. But they are going to be annoying, and they'll make inappropriate noises. Well, you have the comments. function. You have the functionality to turn okay. off real audience. It's basically like turning off the comments on a web page. One of the advantages will be that you can pause the movie and go to the bathroom and come right back. Hit play. In VR. In VR. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that will wrap us up on movie news for this week. And do you hear the phone ringing? I do. That must mean that it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Hello. In Gone Girl, Tyler Perry was Ben Affleck's character's attorney. Tandy Newton was not on The Young and the Restless, but she was on ER. She's pretty good on that. Did you know that Tyler Perry bought an old Confederate army base in Atlanta and converted it to a studio lot? Pretty cool. See y'all next week. All right, Dana, thank you for that. And it definitely sounds like you're feeling better, which is awesome. And also awesome that we didn't fuck up too bad last week. Probably because so, I was gone. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. And that will close the doors on the Department of Corrections for this week. That brings us to the theme of the episode. And this is a great idea for an episode. And I credit Chelsea for the idea. I can't believe You're we welcome. haven't done this before. Uh, we're going to be talking about movies that are known for their soundtracks. And just going back and looking at lists of movies that are known for their soundtracks, I'm like, damn, I like almost every one of these movies. So there must be something very inherent about the connection between good music and a good movie. Oh, I agree. You love music, mm -hmm. Chelsea. And I know, Travis, you love music. Mm -hmm. And it stands to reason that, you know, that would kind of guide your compass on a lot of yeah. these films. I, too, enjoy music. Yes. But so it, you're a human being. I'm a human <laughs> being. But no, seriously, uh, a good soundtrack can make or break a movie. Um, you think about some of these greats that we might not even talk about today, mm -hmm. but like uh, uh, Dazed and Confused, Purple Rain. Yes. Uh, you know, any of the John Hughes movies, which I'll touch on in a second. A lot of uh, a lot of thought goes into these soundtracks and the, the songs that are, are playing. The, the films where the soundtrack really plays heavily into the story mm -hmm. and the feel of the, you know, the movie. Well, it, it's the it's the thing that the actors don't say. Right. And. You've seen these things online where you've like watched movie scenes without the music, right? It's the same way with a movie soundtrack. You know, they can dictate the the tone of the film. Is or it... the lead singer of Smash Mouth in the booth in the booth without the music. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> but... I would say even that uh, um, a movie so sophomoric as Clerks. Oh, absolutely! Uh, yeah, had a pretty groundbreaking soundtrack. Well, yeah, uh, you you establish a, a an indie kind of vibe, or you 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 uh, introduce a power ballad mm -hmm. vibe, or a heavy metal vibe, or an R and B vibe. O e o e o. That's going to really influence the the type of movie that's produced. It's going to influence the type of audience that it attracts. Yes, um, it's a very critical component of filmmaking. 
And we've mentioned this aspect before. Um, one of the things that I love when it happens in a movie is what's called diegetic music, which is when the characters are hearing that music as along with the audience. So it's either playing on a radio station or it's playing, they're seeing it live in a concert or it's on television. Mm -hmm. And that happens in one of the movies we'll be talking it about later. It happens a lot, but not always. In both of my double features. Nice. Yes. All right, well... Speaking let's, of double features. Let's go ahead and get into our next segment, which is the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where we each select two films that are within our subject of the week. This week being soundtrack films or films known for their soundtrack. And then we hypothetically recast a few of the main roles. And because of the nature of our episode, we're going to be leaning more into the soundtracks of these movies when we're describing them. Is that correct? Correcto. Mm -hmm. All right. And Chelsea, would you like to go first with yours? Sure. I did two Sofia Coppola films. Okay. Um, we just talked about her last week. Yeah. I'm going to do The Virgin Suicides and okay. Marie Antoinette. Um, Both soundtracks. Amazing. Right. And I've seen The Virgin Suicides. I did not realize this was based on a book. Okay. First of all. I, I actually have not seen it. I'm familiar with Marie Antoinette, but I have not seen Virgin Suicides. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Are uh, they actually virgins? Uh, <laughs> it's I can't iffy. give it away. I can't give it away. It, it's just about teenage girls in suburbia, mm -hmm. and it would probably resonate with people now because right. their parents just get so freaked out after one of the girls kills themselves, mm -hmm. shuts them in, and locks them out from the world, and has one of my favorite scenes in a film ever. Okay. And um, it's the sisters in their room, and there's these boys that are kind of obsessed with them. Um, okay. Just confused by this girl killing themselves. These girls are all beautiful. And they call them on the phone and play um, Todd Rudgren, Hello, It's Me. <laughs> and the girls yeah. answer back with uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan. Gilbert O'Sullivan. I cannot say it. Gilbert O'Sullivan. Thank you. Um, alone again naturally and it kind of goes on for a little bit ending with carol king um ah, so far away she shows up on a lot of these soundtracks for writing credits carol yeah. king um all right and the next one uh marie antoinette yes i just saw this recently i told you the other night that michelle and i had the privilege of watching this in a little tiny theater in paris oh, like so when jealous. it came out it was super so awesome we were like the only english-speaking people in the theater but they had french subtitles i i love this movie i know yeah. a lot of people did not like it expecting it to be historically accurate, accurate. and it's and it's not i think <laughs> she has an interesting take on a historical figure who okay. happened to be 14 and plays plays this movie as just a teenage girl yeah. thrown yes. into this crazy world. And so we're talking about the lead of the movie, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, who was in Virgin Suicide. I was going to ask well. that. I said that I was pretty sure, I was thinking that I was pretty sure that there were um, some big names in that movie who later went on to be uh, prominent stars, right? Yeah, um, Josh Hartnett was oh, really? in Virgin Suicides. And it's so funny when she- How's his hair? Oh, it's amazing. Is it all mussed up? <laughs> it, he wears this amazing hairpiece in that film. Um, okay. But Sophia We're was We're not talking about his Merkin. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia was talking about when she was writing the film and she was writing his character. And um, she said that his theme song was Hart's Magic Man. Okay. And it plays in the film. Mm -hmm. And he just embodies this song. It's so funny that- Who embodies the song? Josh Hartnett. 
Josh Hartnett's character's favorite song is by the band Heart. Hmm. Yeah. Coincidence? It's not probably, probably not. All right, I love it. And moving it over to you, Sean, what are you going to do for your double? I'm going to do a trifecta of uh, John Hughes, uh, Molly Ringwald, and New Wave 80s music. Okay. Um, starting it off with 1984 16 Candles, written and directed by John Hughes with Molly Ringwald, Anthony Michael Hall, and then uh, pairing that with Pretty in Pink from 1986 with Molly Ringwald, John Cryer, and Harry Dean Stanton, mm-hmm. written by John Hughes and directed by Harold Deutsch. Deutsch. But the uh, soundtrack is very clearly uh, 80s new wave. Mm-hmm. And uh, 16 Candles has some really interesting tracks uh, from Paul Young, Kaja Gugu, Spandau Ballet, Oingo Boingo, The <laughs> Specials, The Divinals, The Vapors, Wham!, Billy Idol, David Bowie, and General Public. And it's a fantastic soundtrack. But the one that really takes the cake is Pretty in Pink. It's probably one of the best movie soundtracks, in my opinion, when okay. it comes to... 80s new wave alternative yeah um you've got the uh the title not the title track pretty in pink that was by the psychedelic first but the one that plays at the dance yeah is by uh orchestral maneuvers in the dark uh, if you leave but you also have suzanne vega uh in excess new order uh-huh. uh echo and the bunnyman and of course the smiths playing please 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 let me get what i want yes when ducky is pining by himself in his bedroom so it's uh it, these two soundtracks are, are phenomenal, and John Hughes is very well known for being very selective with his music. Very nice. And he kind of had his finger on the pulse of that teenage definitely uh, zeitgeist when it came to that music. And so you said of uh, the trifecta, if it's a double trifecta, does that make it a sexfecta? <laughs> I guess so. All right, my uh, double features. <clears throat> I went with a little bit older uh, pairing. Mine are from 67 and 69. All right. First, we've got The Graduate, directed by Mike Nichols, uh, starring Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft. Uh, she's a she's a cougar. He's a, a young graduate, and uh, she seduces him. And so the soundtrack features many songs from and boosted the profile of the folk rock duo Simon and Garfunkel, as well as some instrumental pieces. Originally, Nichols used the, their existing songs, like The Sound of Silence, merely as a pacing device for editing until Nichols decided that substituting original music would not be effective and decided to include them on the soundtrack. According to a Variety article, uh, his producer then made a deal for Simon to write three new songs for the movie. By the time they had nearly finished editing the film, Simon had written only one new song. Nichols begged him for more, but Simon, who was touring constantly, told him he did not have the time. He did play a few notes of a new song he had been working on, and he said it's not for the movie. It's a song about about times past, about Mrs. Roosevelt and Joe DiMaggio and stuff. Nichols advised Simon, it's now about Mrs. Robinson, not (laughs) Mrs. Roosevelt. Um, Although the album features two versions of the acclaimed Mrs. Robinson, neither is the full version that's featured on the album Bookends. The first is an instrumental, while the second is abbreviated, tapering off as it does in the film. However, the major, the other major song in the album, The Sound of Silence, is used three times in the film. So our track listing, uh, we've got The Sound of Silence, Mrs. Robinson, Scarborough Fair, um, and then Mrs. Robinson and The Sound of Silence again. Then I'm pairing this with 1969's Easy Rider, directed by Dennis Hopper and starring Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, and Jack Nicholson. 
And so it's about two Harley riding hippies who complete a drug deal in California and to decide to drive cross country and the encounters and trips that they have along the way. But the movie's groundbreaking soundtrack featured the band, the birds, the Jimi Hendrix experience and Steppenwolf. Editor Don Camburn used various music from his own record collection to make watching hours of bike footage more interesting during editing. <laughs> Most of Canburn's music was used with licensing costs of $1 million, which was triple the film's budget. That sounds about right. The film's extensive, extensive use of pop and rock music for the soundtrack was similar to what had recently been used for 1967's The Graduate. So the soundtrack features, oh, I should say that they wanted Bob Dylan to write the majority of the music, but he ended up only writing one song. Also, the Peter Fonda originally intended for Crosby, Steele's Nash & Young to do the entire soundtrack. And eventually Dennis Hopper kicked them off the set behind Peter Fonda's back saying that you guys are really talented, but I don't think any band that shows up in a limo is going to understand my movie. If you ever try to come back on set, I might have to inflict bodily harm. <laughs> and so the, um, the soundtrack features The Pusher, which is performed by Steppenwolf. Born to be Wild, also performed by Steppenwolf, but written by a really cool band named Mars Bonfire. I think that sounds pretty cool. Uh, the Weight, performed by Robbie Robertson from the band. Wasn't Born to Follow by The Birds, If You Want to Be a Bird by The Holy Modal Rounders, Don't Bogart Me, also known as Don't Bogart That Joint, uh, by Fraternity of Man, It Was If Six Was Nine, The Jimi Hendrix Experience, The Mardi Gras Song, which is a, a variation on When the Saints Come Marching In, is performed by The Electric Prunes, It's All Right Ma, I'm Only Bleeding, written by Bob Dylan, but performed by Roger McGuinn. And then Ballad of the Easy Rider, written by Roger McGuinn and Bob Dylan. But just a um, another example where the soundtrack of a movie really drives the action of the film. And I like both of these movies quite a bit. All right, let's move it into our feature segment, which is the recast. And this is where we take a pre-selected movie that we've all seen, and we hypothetically recast a few of the main roles. And the first one is from 1996. It's Boz Lerman's William Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet, <laughs> a.k.a. Romeo and Juliet, uh, the 1996 version that is once again a juxtaposition of more modern music and uh, a more period setting. So we've got the the story of Romeo and Juliet we don't need to get into. What's we that about, Travis? We, sh we should say that Juliet is played by Claire Danes, mm -hmm. and she is betrothed by her father, uh, Fulgencio, who's played by Paul Sorvino, to the boorish Paris, played by Paul Rudd. And Romeo is played by Leonardo DiCaprio. We've got his best friend, Mercutio, and then also Tybalt, played by John Leguizamo, Johnny Legs. Back on the show. So the, the soundtrack featured a lot of 90s alternative music. We've got Garbage, Everclear, uh, The Butthole Surfers, The Cardigans, uh, Radiohead, and The Wannadies. Uh, the film soundtrack, the first soundtrack to accompany the film was released on Capitol Records. The soundtrack was popular and, sol and a solid seller, reaching number two on the Billboard album charts and went triple platinum in sales in the U.S., it was especially successful in Australia, where it was the second highest selling album in 1997. 
going five times platinum in sales. Wow. Well, that's because the cardigans, the butthole surfers, and then... Steen and Nordenstam. There you go. Okay. So all three of those are like really, really famous. Okay. In Australia? Yeah. Gotcha. A number of hit singles also resulted from the soundtrack, including Love Fool by the Cardigans, the uh, love theme Kissing You by Desiree, and a cover of Young Hearts Run Free by Kim Maisel. Quindon Tarver's choral rendition of Rosa Love's Everybody's Free to Feel Good, this is what I was talking about earlier, um, was later used in Lerman's Everybody's Free to <laughs> Wear Sunscreen. sunscreen. <laughs> All so right. Funny. <laughs> so uh, I love this movie, and I think it's an excellent pick for our subject. The roles that we are recasting, once again, we've got uh, Juliet played by Claire Danes, who was just 17 at the time, mm-hmm. fresh off of My So Called Life. Then we've got, oh, I'm sorry. First is Romeo, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. He was 22 at the time. Then Juliet, Claire Danes, 17. Then Mercutio, played by uh, Harold Perrineau. Harold Perrineau, I think is how you pronounce it. And people would know him from uh, Oz. He was also in The Matrix. Um, What else? Lost. And Lost, thank you. Uh, Then we've got, finally, Tybalt. Played by Johnny Legs, John Leguizamo, who was 32 at the time. And I should say, Harold Perrineau was 33. Who is your Romeo, Chelsea? All right, so listen. This is my most favorite movie ever. Oh, really? Like, ever. And I did recast, but I'm not happy with them. They don't quite live up to it because no, you would no, never no. you would never recast this movie really, as nobody should. Really even though wouldn't. I guess technically it was in itself a recast. Yeah, I really wouldn't. Um, I don't super love the story. Okay. But I love Baz's take on it. He very much plays into these are young kids making stupid choices for stupid reasons, but they think they're right in it. And so one of the one of the songs that didn't make it on the soundtrack, but is in the film in the credits is exit music for a film mm-hmm. by Radiohead. Right. And this was written um, after Tom York saw the the final scene. It was one of the first scenes that they shot. Um, Baz showed it to him and he looked at him and he goes, you know, I always wondered why they didn't just elope. Huh. That's the context for yeah. the song. And um, Baz wanted to put it on the soundtrack, but they hadn't finished OK Computer. And right. Tom was like, please, please wait. Like, you can put it in the film, but please don't put this on the track. So that song wasn't even released until a year later. Right. But yeah, I don't think I can recast this. I don't think I can do it. I'm not going to. Really? You've got oh. no picks? I do have picks. Well, tell don't... us the picks that you're not going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Romeo is Ezra Miller. Okay. Okay. I considered him. Interesting. Um, all right. Stop it. it. I get it. Your pick, Sean. <laughs> all right. So Chelsea's salty. It's this okay. Was, she loves you, this movie. You it's, picked the movie. It's really I know, hard. I wanted to talk about the soundtrack. It's really hard to recast a movie that you really like. <laughs> Indeed. Um, all right. So Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, he was still in his very uh, waifish, girlish kind mm-hmm. of look. Uh, he looks like and, Tilda Swinton. Yeah. 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 A little gender fluid. I went with somebody uh, playing into Baz Luhrmann's uh, uh, Latino backdrop in terms of the the drug war, the drug yes. war. So I went with an actor who's 19 years old. Um, he's from Los Angeles, California, and everyone will know him from Cobra Kai. I went with Sholo. 
Marinduin, yeah. Um, so my pick is 22 now. Oh, he was in the movie Old Dogs. He was in Soccer Mom, the movie Soccer Mom, not a Soccer Mom. Or maybe, I don't know. He's in Man of Steel as a young Clark Kent, and he's Liam on Teen Wolf. His name is unfortunately Dylan Sprayberry. <laughs> Dylan Sprayberry is his name. I've cast him before in something. Uh, next up, Juliet, played by Claire Danes, just 17 at the time. And your unpick, Chelsea, your unselection. Okay, well, first I'll give you um, a little tidbit from one of my favorite scenes. with one of my favorite songs mm-hmm. from the soundtrack, um, Cardigan's Love Fool. Mm-hmm. And this is where... It really hit me what Baz was doing. Gotcha. And his sort of interpretation of the story. When she finds out that Romeo's going to marry her, they play Cardigan's Love Fool. And they only play the line, love me, love me, pretend that you love me. Hmm. And I went, damn, okay, this is what we're going to do. Gotcha. And I, I thought it was perfect. Which led you to? Um. Anyways, I'm picking Thomason McKenzie. From Jojo Rabbit. Ah, okay. Yep, she's good. Nice. Uh, she's garbage. She's gonna be in some some more things soon, I think. Besides this, besides the remake of Romeo and Juliet, Sean, your pick. I went with an eighteen-year-old actress. She was in Iron Man three, uh, stuck in the middle. She's was a voice on Elena of Avalor, which is a Disney thing, um, but. She was one of the few good things about the sequel to The Babysitter, Babysitter Killer Queen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went with Jenna Ortega. Jenna Ortega. Okay. Right on. Well, my Juliet is also 17 now. She plays Violet Baudelaire in the next Netflix series, A Series of Unfortunate Events. She plays young April O'Neil in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And a young Kara Zorel on Supergirl. Her name is Melina Opal Weissman. Melina Opal Weissman is going to be my Juliet. All right, next up we've got Mercutio. Mercutio is Romeo's best friend and his right-hand man, right? And he was played by Harold Perneau, Perneau, excuse me. And who was your not going to pick him for this one, Chelsea? Um, I picked uh, Klaus from the Umbrella Academy. Okay. Oh, Klaus, okay. Only because Marcuccio is like real silly uh-huh. in this take. But yes. also like when he needs to pull it out, he pulls it out. Mm-hmm. And I think this garbage actor can kind of do it. Gotcha. But wait, you want to hear another tidbit? Yes, I do. Um, Desri, the Kissing You song. Yes. So Beyonce did an unofficial like remake of it okay and totally got her ass sued Ooh. by her ah, she can afford it yeah ouch sean um i went with a 30 year old actor um you know perino was kind of flamboyant at the beginning yeah and i thought that was really out of character for what we've seen harold perino do in the past so i thought that was really cool and really out there um so i went with somebody who i think would be kind of fun to see do that same yeah kind of take um, he was in Tenet, he was in the Aeronauts, and he was in the very, very, very good Yesterday. I went with Himesh Patel. Yes. Oh, I was about this close. He's also, oh yeah, Tenet. That's what I just yeah. saw him in. I was like, where did I see him recently? Uh, he's great. He's a great actor. 
Um, my Mercutio is 37 now. Everything I say is going to give it away, but he's got that kind of whimsical quality. He's got a little bit, he's played roles where he has uh, kind of a pansexual nature. He was in Solo, A Star Wars Story, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, The Martian, Community, and Atlanta. His name is Donald Childish Gambino Glover. I like it. I really thought you were going to pick the same thing. No, no, I... uh... I do love that pick. Mm-hmm. We got one more. It is Tybalt, played by Johnny Legs, who was 32 at the time. I love his character in this. Uh, who did you pick for this one, Chelsea? I picked Billy Hargrove from Stranger Things. Billy Hargrove. Which one is he? He's That's his character's name. Oh, is it... Uh, uh, Sadie... Dacker yeah. Montgomery? Dacker. Yeah. Gotcha. Young Rob Lowe. Yeah. Well, that's a Boz Lerman kind of connection. He's Australian. Yeah. There you go. Fair enough. Sean? I went with a 30-year-old actor who I think would be kind of cool. Uh, not like Leguizamo in this film, but uh, with all of his tattoos, I think he'd be pretty cool looking in this role. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Bird Box, Nerve, Bright, and we loved him in The Dirt with Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, Machine again. Gun Kelly. Again, about that close. Really? It's torn. All right, my pick is 30 now. Uh, His breakout role was a movie called Nowhere Boy, which is about the young John Lennon. He plays John Lennon in it. Uh, He's also in Avengers Age of Ultron. He was in Kick-Ass. He's in Outlaw King and Tenet. His name is Aaron Taylor Johnson. Aaron Taylor Johnson is going to be my pick. And as you can see, He's getting stacked. Yes. Fucking absolute units. He's ripped. Uh, so also, he's um, he's married to the woman who directed him in Nowhere Boy. Her name is Sarah Taylor Johnson. When they got married, they each changed their last name to Taylor Johnson. Uh, she directed him, and she's 23 years his senior. Ooh, mm-hmm. Mrs. Robinson, indeed. <laughs> For real. Mrs. <laughs> Robin the Cradle, son. Uh, all right, so final thoughts on the movie and the soundtrack. I watched it for the first time okay. this past week. I don't even know if I checked it in. but Was it uh, impressive? I liked it. Okay. I, I'm glad that I finally got around to seeing it. I think it was a fairly new idea for the time, the way the way that he went about it. And I think it, it was very well executed, which is probably why it was so well received. So I have like collector's edition, like uh-huh. Blu-ray of this, and there's... Lots of extras on there. Yeah. And it shows Baz pitching this idea to uh-huh. the studios. He had to make like what he calls his trailer, which he apparently does for every film now. Because he was like, some people were kind of on board and others were like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to intermission, but not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves a score bar and a rock star energy drink. Can I have a bugle? Oh, good one. (laughs) Just one bugle. Just Just one. one. All right, Chop Shoppers, thank you for bearing with us during intermission. This is your host, Travis, and I just have one question for you, Sean. What is one way we could make our podcast more prominent? Oh, if our listeners would rate and review us on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe to us oh, yeah, subscribe. on iTunes and, and or 
and, and pin your friends down and, and force them to do it. Make them go ahead and do a review. We're very under like, like, like Make it a whole pyramid scheme. Get the people under them yeah. to do it. And multiply. A podsy scheme. Ooh, I like it. Yes. You folks who are listening right now, it would be fantastic if while you're listening or right after, you don't have to stop the show. Don't stop the show. But if afterwards you could go to iTunes and give us a review or a rating, that would be awesome as well. Or on whatever uh, podcatcher app it is that you're listening to us. We're on a few of them. And also uh, be aware of our online presence. We have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash cinema chop shop. We're hosted natively online on Podbean. It's Cinema Chop Shop on Podbean. And our Twitter handle is at Cinema Chop Shop. We do a lot of stuff on there like our movie marathon where Sean consistently kicks my ass. Also, our uh, email address is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. You can email us anytime. We check it frequently. The beers that we check in after intermission, you're about to find out about some, are always checked in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. And we are Cinema Chop Shop on there. Once again, thank you to you, the listeners. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the rest of the show. And now... On with the show. And we're back. Thank you for bearing with us, Chop Shoppers. When we come back from intermission, Sean, what do we like to do? Beer check-ins. And so today we've got one that you provided, and it's I'd say it's pretty on theme. I do too. It's uh, from Surly Brewing in Minnesota. 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 Oh, Prince. One Man Mosh Pit. Hazy IPA. So I, you sent me the name of it earlier and I didn't catch the one mash or one man part. I caught the mosh pit part. And I was like, oh yeah, but a one man mosh pit, that's a whole nother ball game. <laughs> but you need music for either one. You absolutely do. Or just the constant soundtrack in your head. Oh wow. This has a great uh, bouquet of fragrance. It tastes pretty damn good. It's a hazy IPA and the cover art's really intriguing. It's kind of 80s. Sex pistols, kind of sex okay. pistols-y looking. Yeah. You've got the um, the dots, the newsprint dots, uh, overlaid or layered, uh, and then the pattern. the the lettering is uh, like letter cut out, like a like a ransom, ransom note. note. Yes, but I like it. Yeah, I think it's pretty decent. I'm not uh, kicking it out of bed for eating crackers. All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and talk about the 2020 movie marathon. This is, as of this recording, the 346th day of the year, and I'm on number 400. 401, if you count Curious George, A Very Monkey Christmas. <laughs> I get 411 and uh, a half. Chelsea? 335. All right, making some progress. So you're that closing awesome. in on the goal. My first check-in, I'm going to go ahead and go first since I've got three and you guys each have two, right? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. I'm going to go first, and it's number 397, which is Mank, directed by David Fincher. It's on Netflix, and it is starring Gary Oldman as Herman Mankiewicz, who was the collaborator with Orson Welles on Citizen Kane. Review, biopic about Orson Welles' collaborator, Herman Mankiewicz. Well cast, finely acted, beautifully stylized, but just so slow. Chelsea? Um... I watched Judgment Night from uh -huh. 1993. And we were intrigued by this earlier in the week when we were looking at soundtrack, at soundtrack movies. Phenomenal. Because the the 
list of people on this are like some early they, alternative, right? Well, they have these collaborations with people you would never expect to right. be together. Um, like Cypress Hill and Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. Onyx and Biohazard. I wonder if Cypress Hill and Pearl Jam smoked anything before they're set. You think? <laughs> Ice Tea Slayer. Yes. I mean, it's crazy. The movie is shitty. It's fucking terrible. Gotcha. Yeah, the the theme of the movie is white people don't go into the hood. The hood. Stay on your side of the tracks. Pretty much. But yeah. Yet the 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 bad guy is played by Dennis Leary. Oh <laughs> boy, boy oh boy, is he bad? But well, the the music's by Alan Silvestri, and, and they play nothing from the soundtrack in the film. You hear like five second clips. Hmm. Yeah. Do they do Do they do them over the credits? Maybe one song. Interesting. I don't know. When the movie ended, I you was so out. done with it. I was like, I have <laughs> yeah. to leave the room. Yeah, the soundtrack is great, but it's not incorporated in the in the movie. And had they used nothing but the soundtrack, it would have been good. The movie would have been greatly improved. The movie doesn't have to be good. They probably don't have to play a shit ton of the songs mm-hmm. in the film for it to be on that list. Right. Kind of, that's the way I feel about the crow. Did you mention yeah, mud same. honey? Did you say mud? Mud honey's in there. Yeah. 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 But like, yeah, The Crow is like a p- pedestrian film. But it's a, a but the seminal soundtrack. The so soundtrack good. is really fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, so my check in. I finally saw Almost Famous. It's one of those movies that passed by me for well, the that's longest your time. Own I am a golden god. Billy Crudup continues to be the most underrated actor, in my opinion. Oh, he's the guy the oh, is he's so fantastic. And he was good in this. Uh, Francis McDermott was great. Uh, Kate Hudson was good McDormand. and cute as could be. Uh, Jason Lee, uh, even Zoe Dachanel, who I don't really care for, was That's my fine. girl. I don't like her, but she was fine. And Anna Paquin and mm-hmm. Feruza Balk, uh, one cast. cast, yeah, and I liked it. Uh, Cameron Crowe and his, uh, you know, early journalism Loose, antics. L- yeah, loosely based on his time as a young uh, correspondent for Rolling Stone. So yeah, I liked it. I'm glad I finally got around to seeing it. I've got Black Bear. Uh, This is the new Aubrey Plaza movie. uh, One of the new Aubrey Plaza movies. And at first, I was a little bit apprehensive. Not not prior to watching it, but in the first act. Because I couldn't quite wrap my head around what was going on. And then I realized that certain scenes were a framing device for other stories told within the movie. Oh, I like that. And that's okay. that's all I can say about it without giving away too much. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I ended up liking it. I said, um, at first I was a little turned off by the low-key tone until I grasped what I think was going on. Strong performance from Aubrey Plaza. And I, I always like her. That's cool. I, I like a well-constructed film. Um, funny, you, you mentioned about first act, kind of mm-hmm. setting things up. I watched uh, Antarctica and... Uh, Chelsea, you watched this as well. Yep. And this is about a, uh, it's a coming of age story about two girls whose friendship is deteriorated by societal factors. Yeah, more or less. Um, The first act plays very similarly to Booksmart. Oh, okay. And that's where the similarities end. Gotcha. It gets really, really not super weird. Don't, I'm not don't give away anything, He's but done I, talking. It's I great. will. I will say this. I, I've noticed this on 
around, and I was wondering if I wanted to watch it. You do. And you, you'd you say recommend? I liked it a lot. I know that the overall consensus is probably about 50-50. Okay. I enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised by the, the total product. Good deal. It's fun. All right, so I've got one more. Uh, this one is not fun, but very, very good. It's The Sound of Metal, or excuse me, Sound of Metal from 2019. And I wish that this would have come out in 2020 so I could put it on my top 20 films of 2020 because it's that good. Uh, it's starring Riz Ahmed, uh, who From is the night of. The night of, and also he was in Rogue One, and he's in a rap group called the Sweatshop Boys. Uh, he's just great. Uh, so absolutely heartbreaking drama about a metal drummer who loses his hearing and finds himself at the crossroads of having surgery or learning to live as a deaf man. Oh, God. I want to see it so bad. It's, I know. It, it's quite good. It's on um, Amazon Prime, right? Yes. The okay. female lead is very good, too. Um, and I I looked her up. I, I was not familiar with her, but I imagine that we're going to see some things from her in the future. All right, that brings us to the second part of our feature segment, which is the recast continue. Encore. <laughs> part two. And the uh, the second movie uh, is another favorite of mine. I just fucking love this film. And it came out right around the time that I was starting to get interested in indie rock. And the soundtrack is just phenomenal. We're talking about Garden State from 2004. Directed by, written by, and starring Zach Braff. And he was also the executive producer of the soundtrack. He handpicked all of the songs. And because of the low-budget nature of the film, he really had to work hard to get these artists to agree to have his music in the movie, or have their music in his movie. So much so that he went to the extent of sending a copy of the film un, unsoundtracked to each of the artists that he wanted to get on board and it worked out i love the industrious nature of doing that i yes. mean that's going to work on a vision all right so quick breakdown of the premise of the film after many years away television bit part actor andrew largeman played by zach braff returns to his hometown uh, to attend his mother's funeral there he's confronted by various aspects of the life he left behind including his overbearing father played by ian holm uh, Largeman also meets compulsive liar and amateur musician Sam, played by Natalie, Natalie Portman. Um, and if you didn't, if Natalie Portman didn't get on your radar from The Professional, then this sealed the deal. Together with several other figures from his past, Largeman heals old wounds and forges new friendships. And there's also a quest. There's a quest in the movie. Yes. Uh, which, is, which is pretty cool. I'm not going to tell you what the what the goal or the end game of that quest is, but the soundtrack alone is a compilation that Zach Braff put together. And he won the Grammy award for, for best compilation soundtrack album for motion pictures. Uh, commenting on the selections, Braff said that quote, essentially I made a mix CD with all of the music that I felt was scoring my life at the time I was writing the screenplay. The music in the film features a number of indie rock artists, notably The Shins. In an early scene, Sam passes Andrew a headset, which is playing the song New Slang by The Shins, and says, quote, you gotta hear this, so this one song, it'll change your life, I swear. One of the best scenes in the movie. Soundtrack includes Don't Panic by Coldplay, Caring is Creepy by The Shins, 
In the Waiting Line by Zero Seven, New Slang by The Shins, I Just Don't Think I'll Ever Get Over You by Colin Hay, Blue Eyes by The Carey Brothers, Fair by Remy Zero, One of These Things First by Nick Drake, Lebanese mm. Blonde by Thievery Corporation, oh, that's a good one. The Only Living Boy in New York by Simon and Garfunkel, a cover of Such Great Heights oh, by Iron so and Wine. Good. And Iron and Wine are from South Carolina. I don't know if you knew that. It's just one dude, right? No, it's him and his uh, writing partner. Right. Yeah. And then Frau Frau with Let Go. Oh, I like Frau Frau. And finally, Bonnie Somerville, Winding Road. It's a fantastic soundtrack. It really is. Mm-hmm. And the movie is... I, I have very... I have very like <coughs> deep personal feelings about this movie. And I know that a lot of people can say that. And it's a little bit of a generic hipster movie to like cite as one of your uh, kind of coming of age films. But for me, it kind of was. It plays on the themes of uh, you can't go home again. And when you're forced to because of a funeral, mm-hmm. then you kind of get thrown into that. Yes. Uh, that old life that you walked away from and you have to deal with it head on. And I think that a lot of us and a lot of the listeners can relate to those sentiments. I have opened, by the way, and poured the Founders KBS, which stands for Kentucky Bourbon Stout. Uh-huh. This is their espresso edition. Mm. So we're going to have a coffee-flavored so stout. So it's a coffee-flavored barrel-aged stout? Yes. Oh, you get a lot of the espresso right on the nose. Wow. the You can't even taste the booziness. Or, or maybe <laughs> it'll, I can't. It'll I can't. sneak up on you. It's going to sneak up on you for sure. Gotcha. Uh, this guy is uh, it's 12%. Okay. Fair That's enough. Nothing. So buckle up, Buttercup. Buckle up, Buttercup. All right. The roles are Andrew Largeman, played by Zach Braff, who was 29 at the time. Sam, played by Natalie Portman, who was 23. Mark, played by Peter Sarsgaard. No relation. And Gideon Largeman, played by the great the late great Ian Holm, who we lost this year. This year, yeah. yes, just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Who was seventy-three at the time he made this? I did not realize I he didn't was realize seventy-three he was, in two thousand six yeah. or two thousand four, rather. Sorry. All right, so Chelsea, would you like to go first with your Largeman? Sure. Um, <laughs> my actor, me. most notably, is from Shameless. I went with uh, Jeremy Allen White. My actor is yes. from The Rental, Movie 43, Beautiful Ohio, and Shameless. His name is Jeremy Allen White. My actor also has a long career in television on the TV show Shameless. <laughs> I went with Jeremy Allen Holy White. Holy shit. That's never happened before. Lock We're it all in. All three of us. Wow. Per- Lock it in, people. That is meant to be. That's insane. It's it's, it's a perfect, perfect. It is a perfect casting. Yes. He he has a passing resemblance. Mm-hmm. He's he, got that kind of introverted quirkiness. Yeah, and he's kind of grown past his television role. He's ready to move on into movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is the pick. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Have we done this before? That's no, never happened this is a before. First. Now, sometimes you and I have picked the sure, same or Chelsea and I have picked mm-hmm. the same, but never all three. That's wow. amazing. This is... I don't a, know how to follow that up. It's a red know, letter right? day. Do we, do we just stop now? No, no, no. <laughs> and watch. Shot. <laughs> all right. So next we've got Sam, the adorable Sam, played by Natalie Portman, who... Uh, where's a helmet? Yeah. Because she has a medical condition, epilepsy. right? Epilepsy. She has epilepsy. She was 23 at the time. Who was your pick for this, Chelsea? Oh, 
I just, this one was a little harder. Okay. Um, but my actress is from AP Bio. I went mm-hmm. with Allison Snyder. She's oh. quirky. She's adorable. She's I love so her. fun. Gotcha. Gotcha. And she looks so different without her Coke bottle glasses. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know who you're talking about now. Yes. Cool. All right, your pick, Sean. I'm with a 23-year-old actress. She was in Justified, Short Term 12, Unbelievable, and Book Smart. I went with Caitlin Dever. Okay. And she has a passing resemblance. Indeed. I think it's Dever. Is it Dever? I think it's Dever. Well. Okay. All right, my pick is also 23 now. She was in The 40-Year-Old Virgin. She's in Knocked Up, This Is 40, Funny People, Assassination Nation, and the King of Staten Island. Her name is Maude Apatow. So listen, I was toying with both of these actresses. Really? Yes. How did they appreciate that? (laughs) They probably loved it. All right, moving it along. Next up, we've got Mark. And Mark is the old friend. Uh, Not a super close friend, but one that he has a certain connection with. And they go to see him. And he is the one who's the impetus behind them going on this quest. And there's multiple, multiple goals for this quest. The one that we can talk about is the infinite abyss. Yeah. When they stand on the edge of an excavator, looking down into like a rock quarry, and they just scream. Screaming into the abyss. And I can't think of anything that would be more cathartic in 2020 than to scream into the infinite abyss. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So who's your Mark? Oh, hi, Mark. Um, My actor, he's from Letterkenny, and he played uh-huh. a character called Dirks, uh-huh. who kind of reminded me of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, I know exactly who you're talking about. Tyler Hines. Yeah. 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 yeah that's good. Mm-hmm. You're getting better at this. Well, thanks. I mean, just from last round. <laughs> uh, you're... Ouch. Your pick, Sean. <laughs> uh, my actor is uh, 32 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in the TV series Misfits. He was in Mortal Engines. Uh-huh. He was in Geostorm. But I'm thinking of him in his current long-haired state as uh, his character Klaus in the Umbrella Academy. I went with Robert Sheehan. Oh, that's oh yeah. Funny. That's Sheehan. My pick is 33 what? now. He was in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Anna and the King, which is like a remake of The King and I with Jodie Foster, Risen, about Jesus, Ophelia, and the Harry Potter series. I cast Draco Malfoy, Tom Felton, okay. as Mark. I know it's, it's an oddball pick, but really he's the right age and... Uh, it's going to be weird for him to be like a British dude in New Jersey, but we're just going to roll with it. Yeah. Next up, our last role for this film is Gideon, the father of Andrew, who is also his psychiatrist. His father is yes. also his psychiatrist. I love that scene where he goes and sees yes. the other yeah. uh, neurologist. Yeah. He says, you, you should really get a new psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk about a conflict of interest. Yeah. And if people aren't familiar with Ian Holm, uh, go watch The Fifth Element. He's the priest in The Fifth Element. Well, he was in uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That's true also. That's... Oh, he was Bilbo. Bilbo. Yeah. Old yeah. Bilbo. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Who's your pick for Gideon? So, I hope you didn't change your pick because I have to give credit to Sean because he told me somebody he was thinking about. Oh, you go ahead. All right. And I... 
he kept showing up on my list and I was like, damn, John's right. This guy is great. I went with David Lynch. Oh, wow. Yeah. David Lynch. <laughs> That's really interesting. Okay. So I can see him over there. He's like, now. Yeah. <laughs> your mother drowned herself. Yeah. <laughs> it's your fault. Mm-hmm. It's all your fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a very interesting choice. <laughs> All right, Sean, moving it over to you. That was not my pick, but I'm glad you went with it. My actor is 73 years old as well. And uh, when you, when I announce who he is, you'll you'll kind of understand why I picked him as the uh, conflict of interest psychologist, psychiatrist. Uh, he was in uh, all of the Tremors movies. Uh-huh. Um, he was in a lot of Hallmark Christmas. Oh, I know Christmas, who it is. I know who it is. A lot of Hallmark Christmas uh-huh. movies. He was, was he? He was, was in. He was in Grace and Frankie. Uh huh. And he was in Family Ties. Yes. I went with Michael Gross. Yes. I shopped him. Uh, he's, I, he's, he's so perfect. Yeah, he's really good. Can for you it. see him just like head shrinking? Yeah. Oh. He was my backup. Pick. Oh man, I love that. Pick. All right, you're gonna love this one too because he was in Amerishon Graffiti. <laughs> uh, he's 73 now as well. He's in Stand by Me. Always. What about Bob? And the graduate, I went with Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus <laughs> is going to be my Gideon Largeman. He just looks so skeptical. <laughs> Thoughts? Your mother drowned herself. Yes. <laughs> yes. What are you going to uh, do about it? I uh, can't recommend this or the other film enough. Yeah. I watched this yesterday. It had been about, uh, God. When did it come out? 2004? 2004. 2004, yeah. It had been, you know, about 15 years since I had mm-hmm. seen this last, so uh, it, it holds up. Yes. It, it has, it hits on all those points about, I mean, if you've ever had to go back to a class reunion, go back home for a funeral, if you're one of those people who left your hometown, it it has themes that you'll relate to. Absolutely. This uh, This year was my 20th high school reunion. Didn't even think about going. Even if there was one. I don't think there even was one. Because you didn't learn how to read. I went to a redneck school too. Where they didn't teach reading. Oh, okay. So I told this joke to my dental hygienist yesterday. She's talking about how uh, they don't have a dishwasher and she's the dishwasher. And I almost didn't say it, but then I was just like, fuck it. I said, what does a redneck call getting his wife drunk? Loading the dishwasher. (laughs) She loved it and she didn't even like poke me or anything right. i'm saying recommend on this i'm gonna say recommend on everything i talked about today except for mank um, take that david fincher i say recommend on everything i talked about today um i say recommend on everything you guys talked about except for terminator 2 judgment day and that awful fucking movie that i talked about judgment but listen night. to the soundtrack it's real good fair enough all right, so do you guys know that it's time for our special bonus segment? Is it? It is. And it's going to be a honey roast of a man who knows his way around a soundtrack. His name is T-Bone Burnett. All right, so in 1992, Burnett worked on some songs with his friend, River Phoenix, for the movie A Thing Called Love. In 2000, he produced the soundtrack and wrote the score for the Coen Brothers film, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The album was a commercial success and sold almost 8 million copies. He also 
under the name Henry Burnett, arranged I Wish My Baby Was Born and wrote Like a Songbird That Has Fallen and The Scarlet Tide for the movie Cold Mountain. He also wrote the score for Wim Wenders' Don't Come Knocking. He worked with actors Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon for their singing roles as Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash in the film Walk the Line. And he also collaborated on music for the movie Crazy Heart, winning a Golden Globe, an Academy Award, Mm -hmm. and a Grammy Award for the song The Weary Kind, which he composed with Ryan Bingham. In 2013, he was the executive music producer for the Coen Brothers film Inside Lewin Davis. Chelsea, are you still with us? Yeah. All right. So (laughs) of those things that I mentioned, anything that stands out as something that you're positive about? Um, I mean, the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack was real fun the uh-huh. first time, but it's just not a genre that I am super drawn to. It was you don't great. like the Big Rock Candy Mountains, the Big Rock Candy Mountains. It was great the first time I heard it. It's not something I'm going to listen to. Mm-hmm. I mean, none I of actually that really have is. the CD stuck in my CD player in the car, oh, so that's all I listen to. I love his soundtrack for True Detective. Absolutely, yeah. Um, he did a great job for with that. First, the, the, the first, the opening theme. Se- yeah, the opening theme. That first season, uh, again, going back to what I said at the beginning of the episode, the soundtrack plays such a key role in how you perceive something. I think that he sets the tone with the themes that he writes for the True Detective series. All right, so yeah, I like I like pretty much everything he's done. Have you guys ever seen that movie Crazy Heart with Jeff yeah. Bridges? That's and a sad movie. Who was the female uh, actress in that? Looking Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal, yes. Colin Farrell and Robert Duvall. You never seen it? Mm-mm. It's pretty decent. It's good, but it's sad. It is a sad one. Mm-hmm. With that, we want to wrap up. I want to thank you, Chelsea, for being here and doing your damnedest. Anything you want to plug? Uh, trivia and bluegrass music as your playlist. I swear to God, I've only done bluegrass music twice. Once was for the last, the last Hillbilly Christmas, and the other one was recently, and it was the uh, David Grisman and Jerry Garcia "Not for Kids Only" album. I challenge all of our other regular trivia listeners right now to you play a lot of bluegrass. Help back us up on this. There is more than two trivias with you can go to my youtube page it's called trontastic and you can look at my public playlists over the past i'm sure there's a lot of bluegrass mixed into those so do you know what next week's episode is no tell us teacher movies teacher movies so i've got a sneak preview question and answer for trivia the 1995 film dangerous minds was originally titled what also the name of the book it was based on gangster's paradise good guess i know this and i can't remember really yeah are you ready for it yeah my posse don't do homework yeah yes because we talked about this last weekend at the brewery when you were like back it up bitch (laughs) that's that's literally not how i said it it was but what i said uh so funny I also want to thank my co-host and co-producer, the engineer, yeah, Sean, the brew boss. Thank yeah. you for doing what you do. Yes. Is there anything you want to plug? Um, the brewery, Seminar Brewing. Seminarbrewing.com. Has a Mexican lager on the horizon. What's it called? Um, it's called Adios Amigo. Adios Amigo. And I am working on the label right now. Mm-hmm. Is it going to have a lot of orange? 
Um, it will have some yellow gold. Yellow gold. All right. Also, I want to remind our listeners to please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps, every damn one of them. And we're hosted online on Podbean. Just search for Cinema Chop Shop. We're also Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter and Facebook. And our email address is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. And the beers, the two beers that we checked in today will be checked in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. It's a social network for beer. Did you guys see that I checked in those beers like almost immediately when I posted the episode yeah, last week? It was I was crazy. on my fucking game. That's a round pause. <laughs> round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> also, farewell. And thank you to you, the listeners. Please remember that Black Lives Matter, wear a mask, social distance, don't go home for Christmas, and watch Chop Chop Retrofit. Retrofit. (laughs) It's a round applause. Round applause.